Well, if you would, uh, please grab your Bibles and open to Psalm chapter 34. Psalm 34 is where we're going to be this morning. It is the last Sunday of 2019. Ready or not, here we go. Uh, It's an interesting time of the year, a very interesting time where uh, we kind of look back and we reflect on all that's transpired over the last year, Uh, but we also kind of look towards the future, look towards the coming year and consider what might be in 2020. Uh, God's people have always been a looking back and remembering people and also a looking forward in hope, in faith, and in anticipation of all that the Lord will do. It's also a unique Sunday because it's a bit of a tired Sunday. Uh, Here we are, we're coming off of the holidays and uh, the whole thing of having some rest and kind of breaking routine and getting out of rhythm, uh, it's a blessing for about 72 hours. And then after that, it's like carnage in my life. Like I need routine, I need regularity. Uh, It's just important for me, maybe it is for you as well. Uh, It's also tired because uh, coming off of the holidays, there's a lot of emotional output. Uh, It could be like really good emotional output and just a lot of joy and celebration and late nights enjoying company, Uh, but it could also be emotional just in spending time with family can be hard sometimes and it requires us to be more on our game than maybe we typically are. Uh, It can also be a hard time of the year just because of kind of the, the thoughts that the holidays can produce. Uh, just thinking about uh, maybe missing loved ones who aren't here for the first time this year or uh, whatever that may be. So it's, it's an emotional, uh, it's, a, it's a tired Sunday. Uh, but here we have one more opportunity to be refreshed in God's word before we take 2020 by storm. Uh, and so I am uh, I'm praying and hoping that the Lord would use his word this morning to be a blessing and an encouragement to us as a church family. Uh, this morning, I want us to take some time to both look back and also to look ahead so that we can move into this next year with hope and with resolve. Uh, think about 2019 with me. Think about the last 365 days of your life. Uh, the last 8,760 hours that God graciously granted to you, the last 525,600 minutes that you've experienced. I think it's safe to say that a lot has transpired over the last year. Uh, Here are just some of the top headlines that happened in our world. China accomplishes the first landing on the far side of the moon. A Brazilian dam disaster kills over 230 individuals. There was the first papal visit to the Arabian Peninsula. A terror attack in New Zealand where 50 were killed at an Islamic center. Fire breaks out at Notre Dame Cathedral. Avengers Endgame becomes the first or the fastest movie to two billion dollars. Some of you are like, this is amazing, this is awesome. And then this, uh, Category 5, Hurricane Dorian wreaks havoc in the Bahamas. What about your personal headlines over the last year? Your personal headlines of 2019. Maybe for you, a headline is just married. 
Uh, maybe for you the headline is, God provides a job so that I can provide for my family. Maybe it's dear friends move away and working through all the sadness that comes with that. Maybe it's the addition of a family member, the birth of a child. Perhaps it's the loss of a loved one. Uh, Maybe at some point in 2019, you received a diagnosis with a bleak prognosis. Uh, Maybe yours just simply reads, it's been a successful year. Successful year in school, successful year at home, successful year at work, whatever it may be. Uh, Maybe 2019, your headline is, God saved my soul, or God saved my loved one from their sin. Uh, There is no doubt that 2019 was full of both joy and sorrow, of laughter and grief, of triumph and failure, of celebration and mourning. And into this year and every year come ringing the words, From Psalm chapter 34, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. This morning, I want us to look at the first eight verses here in Psalm 34 and to consider what it would look like for us to bless the Lord for all that's transpired over the last 365 days and to also be a people who are committed by God's grace to blessing the Lord for all that will happen in 2020. So read with me, please, Psalm 34, verses one through eight. God's word says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. He answered me, delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Let's look at these eight verses and consider what it would be to be a people who bless the Lord at all times. Verse one, I will bless the Lord at all times. Uh, What does it mean to bless someone? This is one of those words that we use in the Christian life that we use in the church. Blessings on you, bless you brother. Oh, it was such a blessing. I just bless the Lord for, uh, and these words can sometimes be the hardest words to define and describe. We just use them and we know what they mean, but what does it actually mean for us to bless the Lord? Uh, Looking at examples in scripture where we see this word bless, I think it helps us get a clearer picture of what it means for us to be a people that blesses the Lord. Uh, The first place that we see it is in Genesis 1 verse 28. After God creates Adam and Eve and God blessed them and God said to them. Number 6, 23, God commands Aaron the priest to say this, thus you shall bless the people of Israel and you shall say to them, Deuteronomy 33, this is Moses right before his death, says this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel and he said. So when the Bible says bless, it means to speak a good word into 
or over someone's life. To bless is to speak a good word into or over someone's life. It's a mingling of prayer and of faith and of exhortation. Uh, When we pronounce a blessing or speak a blessing over an individual's life, it's supplication. It's like we're coming before the Lord and we're saying, Lord, would you do these things? Would you cause these to be true and real in this individual's life? When we bless the Lord, it's pure adoration. It is worshiping him and glorifying him and giving thanks to him, expressing gratitude for who he is, for what he's done, and for what he promises to do. This is what it means for us to bless the Lord. It is to speak a good word concerning the Lord. And the psalmist here in Psalm 34, he's making a declaration. He's saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. It's a settled desire to speak a good word concerning the Lord at all times. It's a resolve or a firm desire, a commitment by God's grace to bless him, come what may. Think back on 2019. Is it easy for you to bless the Lord for all times in 2019? Or as you think about what's happened over this last year, like, is it really, really challenging to bless the Lord for all times in 2019. What about looking ahead to 2020? Maybe you're already anticipating some joyful, uh, some exciting, some celebratory times in your life, and it's like, man, I can bless the Lord for everything I'm expecting in 2020, Uh, but maybe you're coming into 2020 off of 2019, and it's been a hard, hard year. And the hard doesn't just end when the calendar turns to January 1st, like the hard is going to continue. What would it look like for you to resolve by God's grace to be a man or a woman who blesses the Lord at all times? He continues, verse 1, says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Uh, This is the way that Hebrew poetry often works. Uh, Verses usually are couplets, so there's two different lines, and each line helps you better understand the other. And so if you don't understand the first line, it's like, I don't have any clue what that means, and that's weird. Uh, Sometimes the second line brings a little bit more clarity. It brings a little bit more color to what you're looking at. And so sometimes it's synonymous. It's saying the exact same thing, just in a different way. Sometimes it's contrasting, it's saying something totally opposite, and then other times it's like an intensification of what's already been said. And so here, when he says, I'll bless the Lord at all times, it's like synonymous or an intensification. His praise will continually, will always be in my mouth. If blessing the Lord means to speak a good word concerning the Lord, to worship him by the utterance of my voice, then of course it makes sense that God's praise will continually be in my mouth. Did you ever notice that you talk about what you think about? You talk about what you delight in and what you spend your time meditating on. This is what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 12. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's going on in here in my thoughts, in my thinking, in my heart, 
that's what begins to pour forth from my lips. It's the same idea in Proverbs chapter 4 where we're called to guard our hearts because from it flow the springs of life. What I'm putting into my heart is what necessarily comes out from my lips. If your mind is full of anger towards another individual or you just meditate on how lazy someone else is or you have a repeating loop in your mind of all of that individual's failures, then when it comes time to talk to that person or about that person, it's gonna be really, really difficult for you to say something that is kind and loving. I mean, you may be able to eke out some baseless niceties, but eventually the truth is gonna come out. How you've been thinking is going to be revealed. The same is true in the reverse. So not just negative, but uh, in positive things and things that we delight in and enjoy. Uh, I love the Waze app. Does anyone use the Waze app? It is a game changer, a life changer. You need to use the Waze app. If you use Apple Maps, your life is horrible, okay? Uh, you never get to the right place. Uh, if you use Google Maps, you definitely arrive at the right location, but the whole time, at least for me, that I'm driving, I'm like, is there a better way? Is there less traffic somewhere else? How could I get there faster? What's the best way? Waze. Waze tells you the best way. Uh, we were driving up to Katie's brother's house and on the way there, the 465, just all the misery that is contained there. And then on the way home, I used the Waze app for the very first time and it gets us home like 25 minutes earlier. There were like three cars that I saw the whole way home. It was incredible. And I'm talking to Katie, she's sitting beside me. I'm like, honey, this is amazing. This is incredible. We know we're going the best possible way. Silence for a little bit, driving in the car. Hey, babe, she's like, let me guess, the Waze app, yep. Can't stop talking about it, right? Our lips pour forth what we delight in, what we think about, what we enjoy. And the same is true when it comes to thinking about God's praise being continually on our lips. You see, we won't have God's praise continually on our lips just by saying, you know what, this year I'm just gonna constantly be about praising God with my lips. It won't happen. But if we fill our hearts with glorious truth about the Lord, if we meditate on what we know to be true about the Lord, if we think about his word and think about who he is and think about what he's done and what he's doing and what he will do, then our lips will begin to erupt in praise because of what's going on in our hearts. We won't just be able to commit and then white knuckle praising the Lord this year. We must fill our hearts with worship and adoration of the Lord. What was continually in your mouth in 2019? What was continually on your lips? Was it blessing or was it curse? Was it rejoicing or grumbling? Was it gratitude or was it expressing undue expectations that others failed to meet. The question is, what were you feeding your heart in 2019? Because that's what came forth from your mouth. And what about this next year? What about 2020? What would it look like to commit by God's grace to feeding our hearts with the truth, to feeding our hearts with what is true, what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, 
and praiseworthy. What if we filled our hearts with that? Surely it would begin to pour forth from our mouths. He continues in verse two. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. When I see the word boast, my mind immediately rushes to Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Uh, You know this verse. Maybe you've sung a song about this verse. Uh, It says this, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. When you triumph, when you succeed at something in life, when you experience victory in your life, to whom or to what do you attribute that success? This is how we determine what our souls truly boast in. Do you quickly turn to, well, it's because of my wisdom, it's because of my intelligence, and none of us would ever dare say that out loud, maybe some of us would, right? Something good happens, like, well, yeah, it's because I'm brilliant, right? Uh, No, but maybe, like, that's what we're really thinking in our heart. Or maybe it's like, well, because of my strength, because of my skills, because of my abilities, that's why this turned out so well. Or maybe it's my riches. I can do whatever needs to be done. I've got the means to be able to accomplish it. Uh, As I'm sure most of you already know this, uh, rap artist Snoop Dogg received his star on Hollywood Boulevard this past year. Uh, during his acceptance, he wanted to thank someone very, very special for this occasion. And I quote, I want to thank me for believing in me. I want to thank me for doing all this hard work. I want to thank me for having no days off. I want to thank me for never quitting. I want to thank me for always being a giver and trying to give more than I receive. I want to thank me for trying to do more right than wrong. I want to thank me just being me at all times. Friends, this is how the world boasts. Whether they say it out loud or not, and Snoop Dogg used his out loud voice for it, uh, (laughs) but whether they say it or not, this is what the world boasts in. And notice the self-sufficiency and the self-dependency and the godless independence that are contained in this kind of boasting. The man of God or the woman of God boasts in the Lord, boasts in the reality that we know the Lord, that we understand who the Lord is, what the Lord has done. In whom or in what did you make your boast this last year? Was it the Lord? Was it yourself? He continues, let the humble hear and be glad. This is where the psalm turns a bit of a corner. Up till this point, it's been keyed in, focused on the individual. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips. Uh, My soul makes its boast in the Lord. But here, it says, let the humble hear and be glad. So this individual, he's not just boasting in the Lord in the privacy of his own home. He's not just quietly off in a corner, him and the Lord talking about how great the Lord is. No, he's doing it in the hearing of others in the midst of the gathering, it's a boasting in the Lord, a blessing the Lord, a speaking a good word concerning the Lord so that others might hear it. 
this person's blessing of the Lord, their pouring forth of continual praise, their boasting in the Lord is not just something that's being done quietly. It's being done so that others may see and know and hear. Some will hear my praise for the Lord and they'll think that it's folly. Some will hear my praise for the Lord and they'll think that I'm just clinging to some kind of a fairy tale and that I'm deceived. Some will hear my praise for the Lord and become enraged that I would even worship such a God as the one that's revealed in the Bible. But the humble, the humble, when they hear me boasting in the Lord, they will rejoice and be glad. Those who boast in the Lord love to hear others boast in the Lord. It is not a private matter. Our lives should proclaim, come and let me tell you of all the wondrous things that the Lord has done for me. This is what it looks like to live a Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 kind of life where we're trusting in the Lord with all our hearts, where we're not leaning on our own understanding and we're acknowledging God in all of our ways, pointing the glory to him, recognizing that it's him and him alone that receives the credit and the glory for anything that is good in your life and in mine. Verse three, he continues, oh, magnify the Lord with me. There's another movement here in this phrase. The individual blesses the Lord, pours forth continual praise in the hearing of others, but now it's an invitation. And anyone that can hear, it's like, come with me and let's together magnify the Lord. When you do something that you love, You have to invite other people into it and you don't enjoy it more fully until you invite others to do it with you. We live in a crazy time where we pay more than $9 to go see a movie at the movie theater. And I heard somebody, they were talking about Avengers Endgame and they went and saw it three times. That means they paid $27 or more to go and see the same movie again and again and again because they wanted to invite people into that joy with them. Some of you guys are judging me right now, like, I saw it four times. Uh, (laughs) When we love something, we want others to delight in it with us. Uh, Maybe it's hunting or a restaurant that you really love or whatever it is, we invite people to enjoy it. And there's something about doing it together that increases the delight. There's something powerful about doing something in community rather than us just simply doing it as an individual. This verse, verse 3, oh, magnify the Lord with me, is a call for us as a people, as a church, as a community, as a gathered body of believers to magnify the Lord together. Yes, we do this as individuals, but we also do it collectively. And when we gather and when we go out from a place of unity, there is something that magnifies the Lord even greater than just the individual. Now, there are two ways that we can think about magnification. Uh, The first way is like a microscope. It takes something that's infinitesimally small and you put the right lens on it and it blows it up and it makes it bigger so that you can see all of its intricacies and all of the the glory of whatever that really, really tiny thing is. Uh, That is not what we're talking about when we talk about magnifying the Lord. Uh, The Lord is not just this small, no big deal kind of thing that we get all excited about and try and blow out of proportion. Instead, uh, our magnification of the Lord 
acts more like the way a telescope does. Uh, here behind me on the screen, you see this starry sky, and it seems like a nice, beautiful, kind of quaint picture of space. And honestly, most of us probably, when we see this, we don't really think much about it. Uh, we have kids, they're six and four. They're usually not awake when stars are out. Uh, they were up a little bit later, not too long ago, and they were blown away at twinkle, twinkle, little star up in the sky. I mean, blown away, talked about it for the next couple of days because of how amazing that sight truly is. Uh, but when we look at this night sky with a telescope, we see a whole lot more than we can see with just our eyes. If we didn't have a telescope, we wouldn't be able to see the Crab Nebula at six and a half thousand light years away. If we didn't have a telescope, we wouldn't be able to see the pillars of creation at 7,000 light years away. We wouldn't see Mystic Mountain at seven and a half thousand miles away. We wouldn't see the Bubble Nebula at 8,000 miles away. And we wouldn't see Westerland II at 20,000 light years away. All of these that you've just seen, our God breathed out of his mouth and into existence. God's word tells us that he upholds the universe by the word of his power, that he is the one who created it all. He is the one who sustains it all. Not one is missing and he knows each by name. Our God is the great God, the unimaginably magnificent, majestic, and glorious one and this is an invitation here in verse three for us to magnify him, to make much of his greatness, to make much of his glory, his splendor, his majesty. Our praise does not make God greater. Our praise simply acknowledges his greatness. Let's commit to being a people by God's grace, a people who act like a telescope to the world the world that cannot see the glory and the beauty and the majesty of God unless we point them to it and we show them who God truly is. This last year, did you make much of God? Did you magnify the Lord with your life? And What will it look like this coming year? To be a person and more with the passage, to be a people who magnify the Lord together. Next week, Pastor Doug is going to be preaching, beginning a series on uh, radiant God grasping his greatness. We're going to spend five months reveling in the greatness and the grandness of God, putting a telescope on who God is and magnifying him and declaring together how awesome he is. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. He continues, and let us exalt his name together to exalt God, to exalt his name means to lift up. It's almost as if we're lifting up the name of God as a banner over our lives. It's putting God in his rightful position, a position of honor, a position of worship. It's a place of supremacy and preeminence in our lives. It's also a place of authority. If his name is the name that is exalted above all others, if his name is the banner that I hang over my life, then he commands my life, he commands my obedience. 
if my life is to be lived under the banner of his name, then I will live to represent him and to represent him well. He and he alone will have my allegiance. Let us exalt his name, put him in his rightful place, put him above all else. Then verses four through seven. Verses four through seven, read them with me please. Goes back to the individual, he says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried. The Lord heard him, saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Let me just give you a quick snapshot of these verses four through seven. Uh, There are two characters, there are two roles in these few verses. There is me, and I am described as the poor man, and then there is God. And God is described as the savior, as the deliverer, as the defender. Here's what I do as the poor man. I seek the Lord, I look to the Lord, I cry to the Lord, and I fear the Lord. Here's then what God does. He answers me. He delivers me from my fear. He makes me radiant. He hears me. He saves me. He encamps around me. And he delivers me. All year in 2020, Let's be a people who embrace our role. You see, so oftentimes I think we get caught up in thinking that we have to be savior. We have to be deliverer. We have to be the stronghold and the one who makes a shield around our own lives. But this passage is telling us that's not our role. You and I, we're the poor man. Our job is to simply seek the Lord, is to look to the Lord, is to cry out to the Lord, and to fear the Lord. Brother and sister, that's what God is calling you to do in 2020. He's not calling you to be savior. He's not calling you to be deliverer. He's not calling you to be great and mighty in and of your own strength, to make yourself presentable before him. No, he's saying put yourself in the position of the poor man, recognize who you are, and as you do that, then you'll see who I really am. This year, let's commit to embracing our weakness, our hopelessness and helplessness without the Lord's mighty strength, without the Spirit of God empowering us to walk in a way that is worthy of the gospel. And all year long, let's watch the Lord answer. Let's watch the Lord deliver us from our fear. Let's watch the Lord make us radiant as you and I become to look more and more like Jesus Christ. Let's watch him save. Let's watch him deliver. Friends, this is why we're to be more like the psalmist than we are to be like Snoop Dogg. If you and I, if we really are the poor man in this passage, then all we can do is look to the Lord. All we can do is seek the Lord and cry out to the Lord. And when I'm doing this, I have nothing to boast in, in myself. I have nothing but to look at the Lord and say, you're the deliverer, you're the savior, you're the protector, you're the defender. And when we do that, we magnify the Lord.
This brings us to verse 8. It says, oh, taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is good. When you look back on 2019, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good at every moment in every memory of 2019. In the most glorious and exciting and celebratory moments of 2019, the Lord is good. In the most hard, challenging, difficult trials of 2019, the goodness of God was not diminished, not one iota. This passage says, taste and see that the Lord is good. That means it's more than just a cognitive knowledge of, it's an experience, a personal embracing and knowing and feeling the goodness of God in our lives. Uh, It's not just cognitive, like maybe you know this one, God is good all the time. Some of you grew up in a Baptist church, right? All the time, God is good, right? That's a cognitive knowledge and we can just spout that off. But to really know that, and to have experienced that and to believe that in our lives. Is God's goodness real? Is it personal to you? Finally, the passage that we're looking at concludes by saying, blessed is the man, blessed is the woman who takes refuge in him. You see, we started with a settled commitment, I will bless the Lord at all times. And we end in verse eight, being blessed. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in our God. If I believe that God is the one who is worthy of all glory, if I believe that he is the one who is worthy of my continual praise, until I believe that he is the one that defends me and saves me and keeps me, then I will not make him my refuge. This is what blesses the Lord more than anything. It is when we say that we have absolutely nothing in and of ourselves to bring to the table, that anything and everything that is good is a product of God's sovereign grace and kindness in our lives. This blesses the Lord when we recognize that anything we have to bring comes from him and from him alone, that we are dependent upon him only to rescue us that we're dependent upon him only to heal us, that we're dependent upon him and him alone to free us from our sin and to save us from death. When we declare our weakness, when we declare our inability, it declares God's strength and it magnifies his ability. This is why the gospel call The call to turn from our sins and to trust in Jesus and only Jesus for our sins brings so much glory to the Lord. It's why the Christian life is one in which our weaknesses continuously show the strength of God. It's what our lives look like when we can say with Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, the Lord says to him, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
this is what it would mean for us to take refuge in the Lord this next year. For all of 2020 to recognize that his power is made perfect in our weakness. The number one passage that was searched in 2019, maybe many of you have the U version on your phone. It's the most commonly used Bible app on phones. Uh, the number one passage, it's not John 3.16. It's Philippians chapter four, verses six and seven. Begins like this. Do not be anxious about anything. Are you anxious? Are you like the majority? Have you noticed that we live in an anxious world that is fearful, fretting, worried, concerned about what may come next? Maybe for you, you're concerned about something later today, later this week, you know is coming this year. You see, oftentimes we miss the first part of this passage. It actually begins by saying this, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's take all of our fears, all of our worries, all of our anxieties, all of our trial, and let's run to the Lord, the Lord who is at hand, and let's find refuge in him. There's a gentleman who discipled me uh, through high school. He has two sons. His youngest son, his name is Ethan. And uh, right about middle school, Ethan started uh, having these seizures. They didn't know why he was having them, and they were super intense and uh, would come just periodically. And over time, he began to recognize uh, what was going on in his body when he was about to have one of these seizures. And uh, one morning, he was standing in the, the doorway into his parents' bedroom, his dad was sitting on the bed and Ethan's just standing there leaning up against uh, the doorframe, eating a bowl of cereal, talking with his dad. And uh, all of a sudden he gets this taste in his mouth and it's that taste where he knows that a seizure is coming. And so what does he do? He throws his bowl down onto the ground and he just runs and jumps into his dad's arms and his dad just holds him while he has the seizure. He just wanted to be in his father's arms. He just wanted to know that he could be safe while he's going through something that he's experiencing. Brothers and sisters, this is what it is for us to take refuge in our father. And because of Christ, we can run to the father's arms and we can seek refuge in him all year long. No matter what comes, no matter what you experience, no matter what you already know is coming in this next year, God is inviting you. He's saying you will be blessed if you run into your Father's arms and you seek refuge in him. No matter what comes in 2020, you, I, we have a safe refuge in God. And for all of this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul, your soul, our souls, let us make its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. Father, we thank you for the truths 
that we have seen here this morning in your word. We thank you that you are a mighty God, strong to save and to deliver and to heal and to rescue us from sin. God, we rejoice in seeing your greatness. God, we want our hearts, our minds, our lives to be consumed with your praise, with thoughts about who you are and what you've done and uh, clinging to what you've promised to do. God, we want to be a people who magnify you, who make much of you with our lives. Oh, Father, I don't know how my brothers and sisters come in here this morning. Maybe 2019 is just the hardest year of their lives. Spirit of God, would you graciously grant them now a heart that blesses you, that sees your goodness at every moment this last year. Father, would you make us a people who in the year to come are a people who are resolved to bless you at all times, a people who magnify you, who exalt your name together, a people who make much of you that you and you alone would be blessed at all times.